You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. He did it. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. These are supposed to be high energy introduction, but they did it. They finally broke me. The 70 and 36 Yankees, who are very much in first place by a lot of games, who've known since April 28th that they're going to be judged by whatever they looked like entering October and how ready they were for the Astros and Dodgers of the world and the Mets of the world as well, another team that swept them. They have two months to figure out what they are. Are you the team that started 49 and 16 or are you the team that's been 21 and 20 since mid-June? And traded a starter at the deadline when you needed to pitching depth. What are you? And does Brian Cashman make it to next season without a World Series? 70-36 record. I'm not stupid. I know what the record is. But are they the team that's prepared for October? Or are they the team that is so confident in a four-man postseason rotation of Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Frankie Montas, and Luis Severino, that they are willing to shed every starting pitcher who is not one of those four people I just named. Because one of those people is hurt and angry and on the 60-day IL, and one of those pitchers is Garrett Cole, who looked absolutely awful on Wednesday, looked absolutely awful in his previous start, and looked absolutely awful in the start before that. Three starts that came against the Baltimore Orioles, Kansas City Royals, and Seattle Mariners without Julio Rodriguez and Ty France. So no all-stars in that lineup. You did it. You (laughs) broke me. You got me angry about a 70-36 and baseball team. We are going to talk all about it on the off day. From the trade deadline that wrapped up, I really thought we were going to wrap up the trade deadline on the Monday show with the Montas acquisition building steam Little did I know the Yankees were about to make half of a blockbuster move at 5.57 p.m. before 6 p.m. deadline and then forget to make the other half. So we're going to talk you through Jordan Montgomery, who, by the way, the Yankees are facing on Saturday. They sent him to the most random team they possibly could have. How often do the Yankees interact with the St. Louis Cardinals? Fucking 45th (laughs) February. And here they are next on the schedule. Great job, Brian Cashman, again. Whistle while you work, loser. And obviously, we are going to touch on Garrett Cole, who, like, even the people who have spent a lot of time defending Garrett Cole, I think are now done doing that for the time being. And so we're going to talk through uh, what the $300 million ace has been up to lately. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer all of those that you have. Uh, next week. We're not going to answer him this week. I have no <laughs> interest in answering your mailbag questions from this week. But Thomas Garanante, the vibes were immaculate on Monday. The Yankees had just taken three out of four from the Royals, even though Clay Holmes blew a save and ruined a comeback in the final game of that series. Uh, they finished the Montas deal. They reinforced the rotation. Andrew Benintendi's struggles didn't really seem to matter. They mashed Jose Trevino Homer twice. They won a Domingo Herman game. But most importantly, it was the last 
Domingo Herman game. It was like a, I was actually, I was there. Domingo Herman on the way in from the bullpen, like gave everybody like a fond wave. And I remember thinking, this is fucking weird. Like it almost was like he was like saying goodbye to the city of New York because he knew he was going to get DFA. He was like doing prayer hands and waving at everybody before the start. And I was like, well, I guess Domingo Herman gets his own ceremony. They're going to lose this baseball game, but at least Domingo Herman gets to wave goodbye to everybody. Then they win, and you're like, oh my gosh, they won the Domingo Herman start? That's his last game. That might be the last time they ever win a start with him on the bump. Uh, very impressive way to say goodbye to his tenure. Nope. On uh, Tuesday, the Yankees uh, ruined every vibe they created. He said hello to Domingo Herman. Said, thanks. Uh, thank you, sir. May I have another uh, we're adding you to the rotation permanently. You're not going to make the playoff rotation, but you're going to help us try to fend off the Astros, who are still just two games. What just happened? I don't know, man, but I did like that monologue. Nice job. It kind of got me uh, in a weird mood now because I am in a weird mood. Um, I'm in a weird mood. I, uh, I don't want to be angry. I don't. Um, like you said, 70-plus win team, pretty good. Um, first three months of the season, probably – the best we've seen in a very long time. Uh, no stress whatsoever. It was fun baseball. Um, but the lens of the trade deadline changes everything because what do good teams do at the trade deadline? They get better. Um, or they make the one big fuck you move that most other teams can't. Um, and the Yankees consistently do not do that. Um, and we saw a few teams do that this time around. Um, the Seattle Mariners overpaying for Luis Castillo because they felt that they had the necessary depth and they felt that that need for starting pitching was what would get them over the hump. Good for them. Um, you have the San Diego Padres who did all of the biggest FU moves humanly possible. Juan Soto, Brandon Drury, Josh Hader, crazy, crazy deadline for them. We're seeing the results from that immediately. They're performing tremendously. I know they're still going to be a wild card team unless the Dodgers absolutely collapse, but it is what it is, man. They got way better and they sent a message to the rest of the league. Um, and if I'm being honest, I liked the Yankees moves up until trading Jordan Montgomery. And now I'm fully soured on the entire deadline. Um, why? Uh, it was why? a good deadline up until Monty. It, it was good. Was it good enough? I don't, I still don't think so, but I think it made the team better. What does this team need to do? The trade deadline is a lens of what you're telling the rest of the league you are going to be when the playoffs begin. Um, for upper echelon contenders, which the Yankees are. Time and time again, the Yankees do not make the move that puts them over the top to get ahead in October. Um, and quite frankly, they haven't really done that in the offseason either outside of the Garrett Cole deal, which was a massive overpay, um, and everybody already knew that. Um, so you see this trend happening, and you're in the back of your mind, you're like, but, you know, the Yankees have to realize at some point they got to make the move. And look, this deadline was hard to make that move. There was no real starting pitcher. Like, we talked about Luis Castillo. I love Luis Castillo. Is he the move? He could be, but led the league in walks last year. Led the league in losses last year. is clearly has flaws as a pitcher, despite being very good. No postseason experience outside of one start. The Yankees need a bulldog in that number two role, or they need an entirely new number one, and they didn't get that. I like Frankie. I loved the Frankie Montas addition if the status quo rotation was going to be kept. And now let's talk about Jordan Montgomery. Um, we'll get, I'll talk about the, the, I'll briefly talk about the other moves after this, but this is the most important because you get Frankie Montas and you're like, wow, that's, that was the next best pitcher available. We, we did what we could have possibly done. And then you look at the lens in which Frankie Montas was acquired and you're like, okay, now we have a number two, number three. Don't don't let's not overrate Frankie Montas here, folks. He's got a very small track record career year came last year, five innings of postseason work, which are bad. Um, but, but silver lining pitches well against the Yankees chief competition. So somebody's yeah. got to get me, somebody's got to get me the pronunciation of the name too. I, I got to watch Sunday's I game. hear Montas. I hear Montas. I've heard oh. Montas, like Montas can't be correct. Yeah, but, no, no, it's yeah. gotta be Montas, but it's gotta I, be Montas or Montas or Montas, but yeah. it, Montas, it, whatever. We'll, we'll figure we'll it out. We'll find out at the same time. Um, 
But yeah, so anyway, you acquire him and you're like, great, lengthening the rotation. What's the problem with the Yankees over these last couple months? Pitching staff is wearing down and your lineup is kind of fighting from behind at times, which they're capable of doing, but you don't want that every night. You want you want the quality start you were getting in the first three months of the season. So, hey, you lengthen the rotation. You kind of kick Domingo Herman out of the picture, DFA him altogether, or since the Yankees are obsessed with this man, he could be a long reliever. And fine. Fine, great. Maybe give some opportunities to Clark Schmidt, but in that case, you have Montas, you have Cole, you have Montgomery, you have Nestor, you have Tyone, and you're in good shape. And you have Severino coming back. So look at all that starters. Look at that length. Look at how you can manage Nestor Cortez's innings better. Look at how you can, before we knew Luis Severino was being transferred to the 60-day DL, look how much better you can manage Luis Severino down the stretch. Look how you can kind of maybe give Tyone some rest, Phantom IL stint, maybe bring Clark Schmidt into the picture, and then rid yourself of Domingo Herman from meaningful games. Then you get rid of Jordan Montgomery, and we can debate what went on here as long as we want. But if you're talking about upgrading a roster to be in tip-top shape for October, it is not by getting rid of pitching. And I don't need to tell you that because you watch baseball and you understand what the nuts and bolts of the roster need to be when postseason baseball begins. And it is pitching, it's pitching, and it's pitching. It's always pitching. If you have two ace-like pitchers and a pedestrian offense that tips the scales in any playoff matchup that you're in. It just always does that. If you have a deep bullpen, you have insurance over maybe the number two through four starters that you're not sold on to giving you consistent starts in those three outings for games, you know, two through two through four. So trading Montgomery now makes Montas, in my opinion, less valuable because now he's not lengthening the rotation. Now he's being relied upon as a co-ace, which you might be able to view him as that, but he doesn't have a long track record of being that. And now it puts pressure on Tyone, who's been a powder keg for the last two months. His outings either blow up or he's on the verge of blowing up. You are forced to trot Domingo Herman out there every fifth day for we don't know how much longer. You told us Clark Schmidt was going down to the minor leagues in July to lengthen out as a starter. He came back up, didn't start any games, and now he's going back down to the minors to lengthen out as a starter again. So what's the deal with that? Um, And now you're relying on Luis Severino, who, when he returns, will not have pitched in 60 days. And you are telling me that he is going to return as a starter, be able to absorb starter workload, and be relied upon to pitch in a high leverage game three or four of a playoff series? That's insane to me. After all the injury issues this team has seen, after all the pitching regressions this team has seen, after all the pitching injuries this team has seen, don't forget... As good as the deadline was maybe for the bullpen, if you thought that those were requisite acquisitions, there was no Michael King acquisition. There was no replacing Michael King. We have lost Michael King and Michael King is gone and there is nobody to step in his role. That was not addressed at the trade deadline. So now you get rid of Monty and your entire philosophy now is is thrown, thrown to the wayside. And I don't know if Brian Cashin had a, deal on the table that fell through. You think the Marlins might've tricked him into getting Pablo Lopez and they yanked the Mm -hmm. deal off the table. Maybe he thought the giants were selling Rodon. And then at the last second they didn't, but either way, if you are making a deal like that, you make the deal first that is bringing in the other player that you think is coming. And then you trade Jordan Montgomery. You do not trade Jordan Montgomery on the whim that, Oh, one of these guys is going to come to the Yankees maybe. And on top of that, you want to talk about, upgrading for October, you're switching out starting pitching, whether you think Monty was a postseason contributor or not, you're switching out elite center field defense in which the Yankees defense in the outfield has been totally fine all year. You're adding something you don't necessarily need. So I'm out on this trade deadline and that's the biggest reason why. And then I'll get into the nuances of other things later on, but I don't know how you're feeling. We might differ here. We don't differ that much. I'm in the weirdest position I feel like I've ever been in. I don't like Jordan Montgomery. And yeah, I do yeah. and I do like Harrison Bader. Yeah. And yet I hate this trade. You do this in the offseason. Yep. You do not do this on August 2nd before a second half playoff push when you have just sold the team on a major acquisition in, in Frankie Montas and, and said 
we have lengthened your rotation for the second half. Now go and get it. Uh, this is ignoring, uh, let's take emotion out of this, although it is relevant. Uh, you know, let's take Jamison Tyone after getting rocked on Tuesday and in the post game, we used to bond over bourbon and coffee. You know, that's a big one. Let's remove that. I'm not even talking about that. I mean, the Yankees basically put an L on their own schedule by trading Jordan Montgomery so close before the deadline. It's only one game. Jamison Tyone will get over it. Baseball's a business. This isn't, you know, the the Mariners got their closer traded at last year's deadline and basically all said middle finger to the GM that sucked. And then they went. I'm 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 even taking a motion out of it. I'm mentioning it because it's important because I want to talk because Jordan Montgomery born and raised in the Yankee system. Not everybody's guaranteed to stay a Yankee forever. You do this in the offseason. It's a worthwhile swap. As Montgomery's innings are escalating and his stuff is decreasing, there's something intangible about Montgomery, too, that's always bugged me. We've said it on previous podcasts. You give him a 2-0 lead, that game will be 2-2 by the middle innings. Uh, He doesn't get scored for for whatever reason. His record is 3-3 because routinely he'll get a lead and lose it or he won't get a lead at all and he will leave. His most brilliant starts, his team doesn't hit. His team does hit, he gives it back. It's a very frustrating ping-pong roller coaster. That said, you don't remove starting pitching in August and September. Offensive this trade is the Yankees are playing for October here. They know that Harrison Bader's center field defense gives them opportunities that Montgomery doesn't because he's unlikely to make a playoff roster. Unlikely to get a playoff start. Sure. Unlikely. Absolutely. Best case scenario, he doesn't get one. Tyone doesn't get one. Best case scenario. Best case scenario. Correct. But you know what else helps you plan for October? Plan down the stretch through August and September. That ideal playoff rotation, Luis Severino, who, by the way, again, is furious with the team for placing him on the 60-day IL without his consent, is part of your ideal playoff rotation. He's not pitching until September 11th at the earliest because of that maneuver. They did that specifically because they're worried about his health and they have every right to be. But one of the four people that you're planning for that October rotation is is not even going to debut until mid-September. He's not going to be back there. Garrett Cole is one of the other ones. We'll address him in a bit. Do you trust Garrett Cole right now? I'm not over the moon with Garrett Cole. Frankie Montas. Love him. Had shoulder stiffness a couple weeks ago. He's about to make his first start as a Yankee. Obviously has to be in your planned October rotation, but... Hmm? Hmm? Someone else you're going to want to protect down the stretch, too. And the other one, Nestor Cortez. It was three weeks ago that we were talking about Nestor Cortez. It feels like we knew exactly what we had to talk about three weeks ago. Cortez and Severino are approaching innings limits they've never met before. Down the stretch, we're going to need to figure out ways to de-emphasize them, take Severino and Cortez out of games, pull them early, skip their starts, etc., because we are going to need them for the postseason. We knew this a month ago. Now, Nestor Cortez is one of your three trustworthy starters for the remainder of the regular season when you're two games up on the Astros for best record in the American League. The Dodgers have already passed you. This is a 70 and 36 team because they started 49 and 16. They are not a true talent level 70 and 36 team. They have a lot of work to do down the stretch to hold off the teams that are getting after them. They face the Astros. They've lost their last three against the Astros. They face the Mets. They lost both the games they played against the Mets. The Mariners are red hot. They're a wild card contender. They just lost two out of three at home to the Mariners. They go to Seattle this week. The teams they've had to beat to prove themselves against over the last three weeks, a month, a month and a half, they've lost those baseball games. Two devastating losses at Fenway Park. They have not held their own at all since the middle of June. They have beat since the middle of June. They've been what people were saying they were in April and May. They've beaten bad teams. They've lost to good ones. They're not a 70 and 36 team right now. And so the best thing they can do down the stretch is to ensure, put the rotation in bubble wrap. The four guys you want to see in October, do everything in your power to make sure they're not putting too much stress on their arms. Now, Nestor Cortez is one of three people you can trust. You're going to be counting on him to go deep into games. You need to win the Nestor Cortez starts. You can't skip him. 
Jordan Montgomery is not my favorite pitcher. He's not somebody I want to see starting a playoff game. But if he's this incapable of starting a playoff game, why is he on the major league roster for the New York Yankees at all? He was the first line of defense if any of those four people got hurt, right? I don't want him in a playoff game. I want Cole, Montes, Cortez, and Severino. That's what I want. But if one of those people doesn't come back healthy for October, if one of those people has an uncharacteristic blow up on the verge of October and makes the manager reevaluate everything, Jordan Montgomery was uh, the innings eater for August and September, and he was also by default, the first guy who would get a playoff. I would say he would have likely gotten a playoff start over Tyone. Am I wrong? No. So he's the first line of defense if you lose one of those four names that you're counting on. Mm -hmm. And now he's gone and not replaced by anyone, which is why I cannot believe that there wasn't a Pablo Lopez deal in place. How can there not have been? Brian Cashman will never tell us. But if you swap Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, who... We're 20 minutes into this podcast. Haven't mentioned that he's in a walking boot yet. <laughs> it's not bad enough that they traded for Harrison Bader, who's, who's a, a very fine player, who I like a lot. Who's hitting 250 this year with limited power. Uh, his hard hit average is low. His hard hit max is high. Sometimes he rips the ball. He's got a yeah. good barrel, like you said earlier. Like the Harrison Bader moments really stand out. Matt Carpenter says he's the best defensive center fielder he's ever seen. Some scout told oh. Christy Ackert he would be the best defensive center fielder in Yankees history. I love it. I'm interested. Yeah. Get a pitcher in addition to trading for Harrison Bader and you've made a good move. A second pitcher. Yeah. I don't even like Pablo Lopez that much. Pablo Lopez is an upgrade on Jordan Montgomery. You mm-hmm. swing that deal with the Marlins and you bring in Bader for Montgomery. Fine. You can do that midseason if you really want to. If you don't want to pay the escalating ARB costs on Montgomery, let's say you don't trade for Pablo Lopez after the season ends, you go, eh, he's a 5.5 out of 10. He's going to free agency after this season. He's repped by the big guns. We're not going to pay him. We don't want to pay him this year either. I'm not going to fight him over $7 million. Let's end his Yankees tenure with grace. You could trade him for Harrison Bader after the season. You know why? Because Harrison Bader can't walk right now. I'm pretty sure he'll be available <laughs> after the regular season too. You can actually do that for next year if you really want to. So the Yankees, uh, if you're going to trade Jordan Montgomery now, replace him with somebody. Could be uh, slightly better than, could be Jose Quintana. Could be Pablo Lopez. Could be a huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. I think you got to make a go for it move if you're taking Montgomery out of the rotation. Fine. Yeah. Uh, people kept ar- don't do it now if you're not going to replace him. Do it after the season. People kept <laughs> arguing. I tweeted again, uh, taking the uh, cover off. I'll tell you who tweets what. I love telling people who tweets what. I tweeted, <laughs> "You got Frankie Montas, and you made your rotation worse." And people were like, "Bruh, duh, this is Montas better than Montgomery, bruh." Yeah, I know. Uh, does anybody know how clocks work? They traded for Montas on Monday and made their rotation better. Then they took Jordan Montgomery out of it and put Domingo Herman in it and made their rotation worse. <laughs> it's it's actually that simple. It's actually math and it's actually time and it's actually how timelines work. They they figured it out and then they undid it because they took Jordan Montgomery out of the rotation and put somebody much worse in. Crazy. So they made the rotation better and then we're like, let's put a dash of, of suck in here. And that's why I'm angry today. And, well, at least the Yankees responded uh, by blowing out the... Oh, I'm actually told that the bullpen gagged the lead uh, after the Yankees had fought back and tied the game the night of the trade deadline. And then the next day, Garrett Cole had the worst start in modern human history. Sorry. Yeah. forgot. It's another 0-2 since this move was made. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. 
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And you want to talk about the bullpen. Interesting ripple effect from this trade deadline. Okay, great. Michael King's out for the year fucking sucks, but got to live with it. Do you get a reliever of similar caliber to Michael King? You're probably not going to find it unless you overpay for it, unless you do the Josh Hader trade, which the Yankees were reportedly in on, and the Brewers were asking for Gleyber Torres. I don't think I do that. Um, I certainly ponder it because I think you can make things work without Gleyber Torres, and you need another back-end reliever right now. Um, but the way Hader's performing and with Gleyber's bounce back, it's a tough decision and it's not something you do want to whim with, you know, 24 hours to go before the deadline. It's tough. Okay. So you bring in Lou Trevino, Lou Trevino. It's Lou Trevino. He is not Trevino. uh, It's Lou Trevino. Lou Trevino. Um, and Scott, um, F F Ross. How do we say it? F Ross. It is. Yeah. F Ross. Okay. F Ross. I didn't know if it was F Ross or F Ross. Okay. It's like, it's like Rachel, uh, when they were on a break, she would go home and say F Ross. (laughs) So you bring these two guys in, which am I opposed to it? Absolutely not. But how much confidence do you have as a GM and just as a fan in a man with a 6.75 ERA and 1.78 whip? And you know what? Take the reliever ERA out of it. Take it out. You don't need it. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, I mentioned it by accident. I didn't even mean to say it. Look, 6.75, I didn't even mean to say that. I'm sorry. 6.47. Because he had two good, he had two good outings as a Yankee. Yeah. I think it, I think it was six, seven, five before he got here. <laughs> yeah, he had a, yeah, he had one point. He's pitched one point two scoreless innings as a Yankee, which brought his numbers down. But with Oakland in thirty nine games, six point four seven ERA, um, one point eight eight WHIP. Um, though you look at the FIP three point eight four, much more manageable. However, WHIP is concerning. Four walks per nine innings. Unless there's a major tweak there that you know is going to work out. I don't know how much confidence you have here. That's one. Number two, F. Ross. 62 games of major league experience. I think he's nasty. I think he's going to be good. I don't know how trusted he is going to be. I don't know how they're going to figure out how to bridge this gap. Once again, there is no Michael King solution here. Um, And I don't know if these two acquisitions do the job. So you essentially lost Michael King and you've lost Miguel Castro to injuries and you're replacing them with Efros and Trevino. That's one. Number two is you didn't really add a bullpen arm here, right? Nothing was added. You just replaced Mm -hmm. stuff that was lost. So you did what needed to be done to carry an adequate roster to do the things that you needed them to do. Now you're talking about, you want to talk about a pressure cooker. This entire bullpen's a pressure cooker. Clay Holmes falling off the map a little bit. Still great. Clay Holmes, love Clay Holmes, but... He's not going to be throwing scoreless outings every day, folks. You have Juani Peralta, who I don't know what they're doing with him. Mm-hmm. And if anybody does, please call me and let me know. I don't know what his role is. I don't know how he's being utilized, and I don't know why he's being utilized. Then you have Lucas Litke, who is fine. Lucas Litke is fine. He gives up runs in big situations, and he doesn't exactly instill confidence in you when he's trotting out there from the bullpen. You have Lewisaga and Chapman who are still looking to find their grooves. There is improvement there, but we're not sold on it. And you have Ron Marinaccio who's pitching out of his mind right now, who everybody loves. Um, Very cool guy. Um, And then you have the regular other reinforcements that exist there. So my question to you is, 
if you're taking away from the rotation and you're taking away from guys who can provide multi-inning relief appearances, how in the world are you expecting the bullpen to either be well-rested or better suited to deal with high-leverage situations if the rotation's not going into games deeper because they're they're objectively not going to be doing that at this point with Severino out, Montgomery gone, Tyone performing the way he is, and now Herman here, um, and then replacing one, uh, arguably the most versatile and most effective reliever in Michael King with two guys who one is performing poorly at the moment. I'm not ruling out a turnaround, but that's a big ask for somebody um, and somebody who has 62 games of major league experience. So that's my problem with trading Montgomery part two, because now you've put a strain on the rotation and you've also put a strain on the bullpen. You didn't require, you didn't acquire the requisite arms for the rotation and you didn't acquire the requisite arms for the bullpen. And I am not here criticizing Frankie Montas. I think he's a good pitcher. I think he has upside. I think he makes this rotation better. It is still not enough for the Yankees to walk into a postseason series and scare the opponent or get the mental edge over the opponent. And this is not Frankie Montas's fault. This goes back to Brian Cashman. This goes back to not signing Max Scherzer or trading for Max Scherzer, whether either of those possibilities were on the table. Obviously, signing him was on the table because he would play in New York after saying he wouldn't play in New York. So there was a dollar figure that was excessive that could have been had. This goes back to, even though I was against it at the time, not just overbidding an extra $5 million for Justin Verlander. Yeah. If, if that was true, was that true? I don't know. Um, this goes back to um, not uh, trading for who else got traded in the offseason. Oh, I'm sorry. This goes back to not getting Musgrove instead of Tyone yeah. last year. You just picked um, the this, wrong guy. You, you picked, picked the wrong guy. guy. This goes back to not signing Carlos Rodon this offseason when it was a minimal deal, very low risk if you're the Yankees shelling out $20 million for a guy who has high upside. So now Brian Cashman is in the crosshairs because previous moves that he didn't make have forced him to make moves that aren't now enough that are still now putting strain on a pitching staff that needs to be as healthy as it could possibly be and well-rested as it could possibly be to take on the best competition in the AL. Because don't forget, we acquired Andrew Benintendi, who is not off to a great start right now, one for 20 in his Yankees tenure. And I would bet you any amount of money, we're probably going to see the Toronto Blue Jays in the ALDS. Mm-hmm. And he is not vaccinated, and he's not going to fucking be there for two of the games, potentially, unless you sweep, which I don't think is happening. So now what? You acquired an outfielder who completely changed his hitting profile over the last year and a half um, and has yet to do that in a bigger spotlight. I know he's had a ton of time in the spotlight with the Red Sox, but you go back and you look at his numbers, pedestrian for from an above-average standpoint, OPSing below 800, uh, barely above the OPS, uh, the uh, average mark for OPS+. plus. Um, yes, there was power there, but now that power is zapped. Um, speed is zapped. Uh, he's no longer the player he once was. Um, and then the, and instead of going after a guy like Ian Happ, packaging him in with Efros. I don't know why that wasn't on the table. I don't. Once again, we don't know the details, but it's puzzling when you're looking at all these moves. There were clearly upgrades that you could have made in some of the areas, um, and there are clearly moves you could have just made in the offseason or the year prior. The tra- at the trade deadline or in the offseason to prevent you having to be in this situation if you could forecast to see who would be available at the trade deadline. Um, and we knew a lot of guys wouldn't be available, and we knew that it was going to be a, 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 you know, a two-horse race for Luis Castillo, and we lost that one. Um, so now my problem is with Brian Cashman. Do you, what is he doing? Uh, it, he's sat around this roster for five years looking at all these injury troubles, and now he's essentially – invalidating what he's experienced. I don't know how you get you go with lesser pitching when you know that pitching injuries can happen on a whim, have happened to the Yankees a whole lot, um, and then you don't upgrade the offense as best you can when you have a number of below-average bats in there, um, considering Kyle Higashioka is playing a couple of times a week, um, considering fans are not. I'm fine with IKF. A lot of people are not happy with him. He is hitting below-average offensively, but I think we do need the contact bat in there. Josh Donaldson has been awful, um, and I just don't know. I don't know how you think any of these additions truly move the needle for what you're trying to do, and that's my biggest gripe. I'm going to push back on the bullpen stuff just a little bit because I, I do think it. 
I do think F Ross is is genuinely elite, and I okay. think Trevino isn't a solution, right? I mean, you're right. They did not uh, they did not replace and build upon Michael K, right? That is correct. Um, but I think the the bullpen stuff. It's easy to to react at this point in time when we're coming off a of Clay Holmes blown save and mm. a couple weeks of Clay Holmes losing his release point and the King injury and Lucas Lickie having a weird game where. You know, uh oh, we cut it from four nothing to four three. Now it's six three. We tied it at six six. Now it's seven six. I think that was poor management by Aaron Boone. I don't know why Lucas Lickie's facing Sam Haggerty in a tie game. He's got to come out of there after he's yeah. already struggled. Yeah. That said, uh, we are definitely talking about the bullpen at a point in time after it's just been its weakest, and we've seen some weak points. So we're we're inclined to say it ain't working. It ain't full. I think Efros is going to show up big for the. I, I was high on Efros on Monday. I'm still high on Efros today. Trevino, I think is. Obviously, I mean, whatever underlying metrics you like and his BABIP is crazy and it, it hitters when they put the ball in play against him hit like 460, which is deranged and also shows that he had terrible infield defense in Oakland and hopefully it regresses back to the normal a little bit. He's not a solution. He's not the new Michael King. But if he and Aroldis Chapman are sort of used in the same tier, like the fifth and sixth guys to come out of the bullpen, which I think Chapman has earned at this point as much yep. as I hate him. Uh, three really good outings in a row. He shouldn't be coming into tie games in the eighth ever. He should be protecting four run leads in the sixth. And that's what he did when I saw him on Monday. That made me smile and nod and go, yeah, fine. Our oldest Chapman has done enough to be doing this. Now, of course, in the postseason, different beast, different animal, and you're still stuck with our oldest Chapman. But Holmes, give him some time to work through this rough patch. Efros, a red-hot Loisaga, Marinaccio, Chapman and Trevino a level below, Litke a level below that. I'm actually okay with that. Um, now, what I want is Greg Weissert, who's at AAA, whipping the ball. Uh, he's in the middle of a red-hot stretch, 1.91 ERA in his last chunk of innings. His wipeout slider is crazy from behind the plate. He's exactly what they need. Steven Ridings is throwing a bullpen this week. I don't think he's going to factor in down the stretch but it would be certainly nice to see him do so. Um, I don't think it's you know, fire-breathing monster bullpen. And you are right that they just replaced King, didn't necessarily upgrade him, and got this other, like, you know, Trevino, in my opinion, can come into games where the Yankees are down two in the eighth or can come into games where the Yankees are up three in the seventh. And if he puts two of the first three runners on, goodbye. You get yanked. Like, that's the level of trust he has for me right now. He's been so good in the past that I do think he doesn't appear. He doesn't have to be blowout specific. He can appear in close games, just not every close game and not that close. Uh, Zach Cashman on line one. Um, I, I, uh, I feel, uh, I feel, I feel humbled by this deadline a little bit. I, I the 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 Montgomery thing is just is so baffling, and and it's the it, it's the pitching depth for me and. Uh, you've you've got people online who love to say like what vendetta do you have against Domingo Herman? Oh, what are you watching, dude? Like uh, what what vendetta do I have against the, this homer prone like barely able to get anybody to chase at any point in time? Cement mixer curveballs, ninety two mile an hour fastball, either on the inside corner or in the heart of the zone. Like what do I have against it? You know, it's it's not even a personal grudge. Although obviously, yeah, there are personal reasons why I also don't like Domingo Herman. Right. Yeah. I mean, what am I missing here? If Clark Schmidt doesn't come up in 10 days like we were promised, then that's insane. You can't be relying on Domingo Herman down the stretch. And uh, this is the thing that I hate to I hate to say. I hate to be this guy. I actually really don't like being this guy. Truth serum, I do not enjoy being this guy. No interest in being this guy. You go, the Yankees had the best deadline they can have, right? Efros, Montas, Ravino, Benintendi. How can anybody have a better deadline than that? San Diego Padres got Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Brandon Drury, Josh Hader. It is yeah. possible. Of course. Right? It's possible. That's the only that's the only other thing that has to be said. Like you trick yourself into thinking, well, not for me. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Or like, well, no teammate. Like, we got an all-star and we got two bullpen names. One is trustworthy, one is a question mark. And we got, you know, a pitcher who's been in the top of the Cy Young race before, but not this year. Like, who who did better than us? The Padres did. Yeah. Padres got a, you know, Josh Bell is a premier slugger. Juan Soto is the best 23-year-old maybe in the history of Major League Baseball. And Brandon Drury hit a grand slam in his return. And Josh Hader is an all-star closer who struggled for like a week and a half. 
and and they did all of those things. And they traded C.J. Abrams, who was a top prospect who's been struggling at the big league level. They traded Mackenzie Gore, who's a top prospect whose stuff is diminishing and whose elbow hurts. And they yeah. traded Robert Hassel, who's a super top prospect. So for the Yankees, that's like Torres, Volpe, and uh, Austin Wells, and a couple other big names. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's a high price, but yeah. the Padres did it. Yeah, did we need Juan Soto? No. I mean, but then you look again to last year. We needed a shortstop badly, right? We needed a shortstop really fucking badly. There, we could add Trey Turner. Could add Trey Turner for your maybe your top prospect, maybe your number two prospect. You there is a world where if you maybe gave up Jason Dominguez. Just being a nice guy. There you go. Yeah, this guy's mad at us because you're uh, in the you're in the chat saying you hate the Cardinals front office five seconds before you say we're not allowed to hate the Yankees front office. What? <laughs> also, we we get eighty percent of the players we want. Who who have we wanted that we've gotten yeah, in the past fifteen? I mean, he's thinking fifteen years ago, which is fine. Which, which is I fine. Get. We we absolutely did that. But we yeah. wanted Garrett Cole and we got him. We wanted Justin Verlander. No, Scherzer. No, Lester. No, Rodon. No, Musgrove. No. Nobody wanted James and Tyo. We we get the guys we don't want. Yeah. Um. Want. You know. And yes, Yankee fans are spoiled to a certain extent, but pressure's also on. We're not yeah. saying fire Cashman. We're just trying to explain the Jordan Montgomery trade to us. Somebody, please help. <laughs> but yeah, you look at Ke- uh, Stanton. We didn't ask for Stanton. Stanton nobody asked for Stanton. Have, yeah, nobody asked for Stanton. Stanton came out of left field. Uh, also, really our, our Stanton, our Stanton and Cole. Are, is that eighty percent Stanton and Cole? That's two people. Yeah. And it's also the reason why they're not spending elsewhere. Um, so yeah. it's tough. Tough conversation. Love Giancarlo Stanton. Um, you couldn't not sign Garrett Cole. So it's a it's difficult situation. Um, long story short, though, there should be the bandwidth to do more things. You can't sit here and tell me if the Los Angeles Dodgers called the Washington Nationals and said, we will give you our number one and number two prospect for Max Scherzer for a half of a year and Trey Turner for a year and a half. And they were able to do that. There's no reason why the New York Yankees couldn't have stepped in and figured something out. They had a dire need at shortstop last year. It was a reason they were losing games. It ultimately probably became the reason they fell up short because you have to start Andrew Velasquez in the wild card game. Um, so there's just to me a lack of creativity here and a lack of aggression. Um, but I appreciate appreciate the conversation, man. I love it. Um, always willing to respond to stuff like this because some of some of the things get convoluted and things are misheard or misinformation spreads. I don't know. I want to be straight up, want to be upfront. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
But yeah, my problem is the lack of aggression. And there was aggression this time. But once again, it was calculated aggression. It was, okay, guys, we have to keep our top four prospects. So how can we work around this? And what players can we get in order to do that? Um, And you could argue that maybe the way that it took to get Montas and uh, um, Benintendi because those were extended talks that involved a lot of prospects um, that might've prevented the Yankees from eventually pulling the trigger on Pablo Lopez or Carlos Rodon. Cause now you have fewer prospects to deal with um, and you don't want to trade your top one. So now you put yourself in a bind and you given, given another team a reason to say, eh, I don't know if I want what you have left because you traded a lot, um, which now brings me back to the Benintendi conversation very quickly you could have got Peralta for one prospect. I'm not not advocating for Peralta, but you could have got David Peralta. Peralta. David Peralta, who helped the Rays beat the Jays yesterday. Yeah, and and thanks for that. But like, has already had a huge moment. Could have traded for that. That cost one prospect. <laughs> I like Goldschmidt, man. What are you talking about? Goldschmidt's great. Um, he's the MVP. Yeah, he's, he's great. NL MVP. We would be um, thrilled about that. I love Anthony Rizzo too, though. I like a lot of guys. I like a lot of players. And we're this podcast is talking about the things that we don't like. So I'm sorry that it's it's a little bit negative for you. Yeah, um, if you come back. It, we, I yeah. mean, yes, we are, we are baseball fans. If they win two games, we're going to come back on Monday with a, <laughs> a brag a brag pod. Uh, but yeah, and then you look at Peralta. Do, did I want David Peralta? No. I wanted Ian Happ. That's to set the record straight. I had, wrote enough fucking articles about it. I talked about it on here enough. That was the guy I wanted. But if you're talking about trading for a, a, um, an asset that's not as expensive, Peralta's probably more your answer. He has a consistent hitting profile over his career, whereas Benintendi underwent some sort of transformation over the year and over a year and a half that you don't know is going to actually be sustained. He had 375 in July. That is not real life. That's not, that's not real. That's not going to be sustained. It's not going to happen. I, yeah, I wanted Juan Soto too. That would have been sick. Um, But if you want to talk about, if you're going for a, a cheap asset, go for the one that has a more consistent profile, go for the one that, you know, is a more powerful, I guess, because you want, so, and don't, don't forget, Peralta puts the ball in play. He only bats 250, but he was a 300 hitter once upon a time. It's not like the average wouldn't be able to come back if he's placed in a lineup surrounded by better hitters. Um, so you save yourself trading two or three extra prospects in that deal. Um, and then maybe you have more ammo to make another move. And then the Marlins don't back off if that's what happened. Or the Giants are more inclined to sell if you give them a sexier package. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the creativity here is stretched in ways that doesn't make sense. Um, and then it's minimized when you're just like, you can, you can go further here, Mr. Cashman, you can do more here. Um, and then that's where I feel like we ended up. I feel like the hand that we hamstrung ourselves, um, from, from previous years moves. And then to kick off this deadline, you get Benintendi. I understand people were excited about it, but you know, that's that Benintendi is going to be a big prove it person for me. Cause it's a rental hitting profile completely changed. Um, and, you know, is largely a, a barely above average player. So it's tough. I don't know. I think there's also some mischaracterizations in the chat of how we feel about Stanton. We love Stanton. And, yeah. and every time he hits, he hits in the clutch. He kills the Red Sox. Um, it just that's that's not something that we were clamoring for. We weren't like the Yankees better end this offseason with Jack Carl Stanton. It was just like he's available. Oh, my God. They made it happen and they gave up nothing and they ate a lot of money to do it. Like, how did this possibly occur? And now they use it as justification not to spend. Every year it's arms, 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 arms mm-hmm. that we're angry about. That being said, I'm just I'm rolling over in bed last night going. I spent, you know, most of April, all of May, all of June being like the New York Yankees are flawless. They never lose. They have mm-hmm. the best offense in baseball and the best pitching in baseball. How is this possible? How are we this lucky? And I went to bed last night going, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Brandon Drury, Josh Bell. Manny Machado versus Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, sometimes DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo, Andrew Benintendi, Jose Trevino. Like, I've spent so much mileage just saying they have the best offense in baseball. They have the best offense in baseball. Best WRC plus in baseball. But baseball, baseball. I'm chirping everywhere. And I'm going to bed last night just going, the Padres lineup is insane. The Dodgers lineup is insane. What are we doing here? The Yankees bat Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. We love Harrison Bader. 
And you can maybe tell us more about Harrison Bader in the chat. The, the I like him too. I think he's an athlete, covers a lot of ground. He's a Bronxville kid. I've complained about the Yankees not getting Yankee fans and natives. He's a native New Yorker. Every, he wears the Statue of Liberty glove. Um, incredible emotion. I think you guys in, in St. Louis have experienced that more than we have. Uh, you want to hear about Jordan Montgomery. It's the polar opposite. You're acquiring like a sad sheriff. Whereas the Yankees got like a, a party in a bottle in Harrison Bader. If he comes back this year, I'll be thrilled. It's not encouraging that they had to attach a clause to the trade saying if he never comes back by the end of the season, we're going to give you an extra player because we feel bad. That's never the clause you want to see. <laughs> it doesn't give you the confidence that the player is going to return as a difference maker. He's, he's, he thinks he's coming back in September. Luis Severino thought he was coming back in the middle of August. Yankee said, nope. Uh, hopefully Harrison Bader comes back sooner than that and injects some energy. You hear Matt Carpenter say he's the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. Pretty cool. And and you think that sounds extremely valuable. Uh, but I, I would love to see him sooner rather than later. I'm just not encouraged that I will. Uh, before we move on to Garrett Cole, and we will, the three players I can't believe are still on this Yankees roster or in this Yankee system after the trade deadline. Number one, Miguel Andujar begged to be traded. Begged. You're not going to get anything for him. You weren't going to get anything for him in 2021. There was never a return that would have satisfied you. You're not accidentally getting a top 10 prospect like Clayton Beater for Joey Gallo. But all it is, you're not calling him up either. He hangs out at AAA. So just trade him. Accept the underwhelming return. He's not part of your plan. Somehow the Yankees didn't do that. Esteban Floreal, number two. I would have loved to see him swapped in for J.P. Sears in that Oakland deal. Obviously, Oakland felt differently. I'm sure the Yankees would have loved to have done that, too. But maybe you add him in the floreal and another guy gets you happen. I just don't know. But he's figured out AAA. This is the most valuable he's ever been. He's peaking since he was an unknown quantity. The most value he's ever had. And the Yankees can't figure out how to trade him. And then Oswald Peraza, if you're not going to call him up, which you're not, how is he still on this roster? How do they not find a deal? Two shortstop prospects rated this highly, and they're both just still hanging out in the system. Crazy. And Domingo Herman, what's he still doing here? So oh, Domingo Herman, what's he still doing here? What's he still doing employed in polite society? Uh, what's he doing in any capacity? Uh, let's talk about, well, let's let's calm things down. It's been 48 minutes of ranting about the trade deadline. I'm sure that we have a pleasant topic to conclude on. Oh, no, Garrett Cole and his six first inning runs in a must-win game against the Seattle Mariners. His three starts since the break. Three nothing lead in Baltimore. Blew that. Lost the game himself. Uh, that ended up four three. Uh, three nothing lead in the fifth inning in Kansas City. I went into a tunnel in Penn Station, and by the time I left, it was five three Royals. I'm not kidding you. I've been watching a lot of baseball. I've never been as shocked by a score update as that. It was runner on first, two outs, three nothing. <laughs> And I left the tunnel and I reloaded it and said, there's nobody on base. It still says it's the top of the fifth. How many runs could put five, five runs. Like I, they won that game because the Royals gave it away because the Royals are a bad baseball team. But two implosions from Garrett Cole to start the second half. Cole Castillo rubber game, Wednesday day game, Mm. three, nothing before he records an out four, nothing before he records an out. Six nothing with one out in the first inning. Jared Kelnick homered off him. You know how bad you have to be for Jared Kelnick to homer off you? One of the most disappointing top prospects in modern baseball. Bomb squad off Garrett Cole. Then he recovered to throw uh, like five pretty good innings after that. Uh, somebody said that his ex-FIP yesterday, getting rocked for six runs in the first and ending the game before the Eagles even batted, was better than Sandy Alcantara's, who pitched a shutout. Inter- interesting to me. Uh, would love some some deeper dives there on XFIP. But Garrett Cole, uh, the worries are loud. And again, they, they only have four. They're, they're intentionally trusting four starters entering the postseason. One of them is Garrett Cole. I've never trusted him less in my life. I don't know what to solve here. I don't know what to, what there is. What is there to solve? But it's no longer, it has nothing to do with spider tack. He's pitched pretty well, and there have been some brilliant starts since the removal of Spider Tack. I don't know what it has to do with. It just has to do with this. He 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 allows so many home runs. What's it like the seventh most home runs per nine of any starter? That's a massive issue. So much. That's not a trustworthy ace. Forget that's a, that's it. Now. A, that's a tangible problem to solve. Yeah. It's not just my vibes about Garrett Cole at this point. There was definitely a time when I was like, "Ooh, Garrett Cole at Fenway." I'm nervous. But then someone would say, why are you nervous? And I just go, eh, eh, it's just a feeling. Now it's more than a feeling. It's it's home runs constantly. It's these implosion innings. 
And not only that, it's just always something, right? Like <clears throat> two years ago and last year, it was Gary Sanchez was the problem. And we need, I need Kyle Higashioka's. And there's nothing wrong with pitchers having personal catchers. Let's, Mets fans are making fun of Garrett Cole for wanting a personal catcher. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like the best pitchers ever had personal catchers, you fucking idiots. Um, the problem is now Cole's personal catcher is fluctuating. Now it's Higashioka who's the problem. You look at the splits. Adam wrote about it yesterday. Go find it on yanksyard.com. Um, now he needs Trevino catching him. So what is it for Garrett Cole? Is it Billy Crystal taking too long to throw out the first pitch? Yeah. Is it Red Sox fans calling him Kermit the Frog in his ear before he's about to make a start? Is it him not getting a borderline strike call on G-Man Choi and then unraveling against the Rays? Is it him going a perfect or no-hit five and a third innings against the Rays in that ALDS and then Austin Meadows works a full count and he gives up a home run? What I don't understand it is it him not being able to face the media because he never has a fucking answer. He's always sitting there confused, long drawn out answers that make it more embarrassing for fans to have to deal with people making fun of the Yankees and Garrett Cole because that's what it turns into. Um, he he is stutter, stumbles over his words, has it goes in prolonged periods of silence when he has to answer questions. Um, is very prickly. So there's just so many instances here that make me not trust Garrett Cole. Yeah. And I don't like not talking. I don't like talking about this. Because yeah. yeah. It, I, I hear you, Thomas. I do. I, I really do, man. I, 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 I wish it were better too. I'm, I'm, you know, the, I, I feel twice as bad as any of you people. When I, when I take the mound, I, I, I try to go, you know, I got a game plan. I try to execute. And then the day comes, I just, you know, something happens to the right arm. It doesn't function the way I want it to. It's just as frustrating for me as it is for you. We got, you know, we got two months to figure this out. You know, this team's full of beasts. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I, I don't want to be this either. I don't want to be this either. And I'm worried Garrett Cole is injured, right? That The stuff hasn't been diminished, but the location has been awful. Somebody did a deep dive yesterday. But he's locating too well. He's locating too over the plate. Like, is that a sign of an injury? Somebody had like a brilliant take that he just doesn't go up in the zone with the fastball anymore. And like, I don't know who scared him away from doing that, but it's the most effective pitch he has in his arsenal. And it was in 2019 when he was absolutely brilliant by a wide margin. And what's everybody's favorite Garrett Cole start? We only basically have one in in two and a half years of having him on the Yankees. And it's that one nothing game in Houston. How did that end? Fastball is at Jordan Alvarez's eyeballs. I'm like the 110th pitch up, up, up in the zone. You can't get your hands around on that. If you can, kudos to you. But, you know, th- that's that's not where, uh, you know, that's that's his strength lies at the top of the zone. And he's going breakers up the middle of the plate uh, at the heart of the dish. He's going a, a lot of, you know, trying to pop the outside corner bottom left with the fastball dot at 98 he's missing the the pitch Eugenio Suarez hit out yesterday was just a, an absolute hanger yeah uh, Kelnick I don't know why he decided to go change up uh, he's already down four nothing and they're hitting everything so I, I guess he's trying to switch things up um I don't know I'm just, I, I'm very confused I, I'm beyond confused but it's it's very Montgomery-esque it's like you know, what leads he stake to? How long is this going to last? Because in the second half, I know exactly where the lead's going. I yep. know they're going to have to re, you know, the first Yankee strike first, they're going to have to strike again because this 3 nothing lead isn't holding, so you better score some more. Um, and it's happened now three times in a row since the break. I'm not, uh, like, I'm not anti-Garrett Cole. I definitely prefer Garrett Cole to Jordan Montgomery. And I think there's obviously more potential in Garrett Cole's right arm than there's uh, and it's not even that I don't think he's an ace. I think he's I think he's clearly an ace. I just think every time the Yankees sign somebody now, you go, what's going to be the fatal flaw? It's <laughs> 15 years of this. And Cole, you go, they, this was the perfect move. There was no pro- Yankee fan. They've needed an ace for five years, and they bring him in, and that's fantastic. And then the fatal flaw comes in. He goes, struggles at Fenway and has a gopher ball problem. And then also, oh, by the way, uh, you know, turns out he was using this this cream this whole time, this glue that now he can't use. Like, it's not the be-all, end-all, but it's like, you guys thought he was too good for words? Well, turns out he was. Like, that's the fatal flaw. So I'm pro Garrett Cole. I hope he turns it around. I'm sorry I did an excellent impression of him. Like, I, I feel bad about that. Uh, but yeah, fix it. 
I think I've ended every podcast since mid-June with fix it. Fix it. The Yankees are not in free fall. No, the Yankees are not in free fall. They're holding steady at 500 and have been for a long time. 500 not good enough for the postseason, though. They were 12 and a half up on Toronto, I think, when this all started. Now they're 11 up on Toronto. That's not a free fall. Nope. That's maintenance. That You know, you try to breathe and breathe deep and have a level head about all this, but if this is the team that enters the postseason, they're not going to be fair to beat Houston and L.A. for sure. They're also not going to be favored to beat the Jays if they, they look like this for another two uh, yeah, months. If they look like this now. Yeah, if they no, if they improve, yes, they will. If they play up to their record, they will be the best mm-hmm. team in the American League. But if they continue to kick this and end up with what? So they're seventy and thirty-six now. So one hundred six. 56 games left if they win 28 of those if they go 28 and 28 uh and they end up with 98 wins i think a lot of people are going to go 98 wins this is a 98 win yankee team but i think it's going to be that's how absurd the pace has been all year long that if they if they basically go 500 for the last three and a half months of the regular season they're going to finish with 98 wins that's obscene uh, but that will be a wildly misleading 98 wins. In order to be the Yankee team that we've watched in the first half, it's got to be more like 106-107. Wow, it's a lot of wins, but I don't even know what I'm saying here. I'm just saying I think I think a lot of people are going to look at the surface-level stuff and see the Yankees enter the postseason with 98, 99, 100 wins and go, it's a 100-win Yankee team. They're breathing fire, and that will not be accurate. They're going to need more wins than that. Yes, they will. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to yell anymore. No, I really don't either. And and people are in the chat. Uh, well, one specific person is in the chat uh, saying that you know he's 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 subbing. He's ha- he's having a good time. Uh, I think he wants to be here when Aaron Judge goes to the Dodgers. If Aaron Judge goes to the Dodgers, salute. I think he's going to the Giants. Uh, but I don't think either of us think he's sticking around. That's why this year is so important. Because Aaron yeah. Judge is part of the Yankees' long term plan. I don't think the Yankees are. I don't think the Yankees are going to go as far as it takes to get Aaron Judge. I don't think you're not uh, blindsiding us if Aaron Judge leaves. Yeah, I'll just do yeah. that right now. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked at all. That's why yeah. 2022 is so important. Uh, but yeah, we want you to sub. That's it for this edition of the Yankees Go Yard podcast. We want you to subscribe because when the Yankees are good, we want to talk sh- trash to you. And when the Yankees are wildly frustrating, we want you here to, to revel in the tears. We're not shying away from that. Nobody lives rent-free in our heads but us. They're so There are like 12 versions of me in my own head. Is that, <laughs> is that psychosis? Should I go see somebody? Maybe. Probably. Uh, but no, unlike Boston Strong and other Red Sox Twitter accounts tweeting our highlights, and then when we comment saying this is embarrassing, and then they say rent free. No, you're you got us rent free. <laughs> we want to be rent free in all of your heads as well. So that when the Yankees struggle, even if the struggles are relative and it's just a bad series against the Mariners, we want you here. Come watch us spiral. Uh, because what is fandom if not embarrassment? It's it's sometimes very embarrassing. There's a chance we look back on this in a week and go, that was bad podcasting very uncomfortable radio but there's also a chance we're right so make sure to look us up on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast drop us those five star reviews if you have it in your heart drop us a mailbag question find us live on youtube mondays and thursdays at two o'clock eastern time also around 10 poll events again we thought we were going live for all the trade deadline stuff on monday and then so much shit went down on tuesday sometimes you just never know jordan montgomery at like 557 explain it to me until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. And please, for our commenters in the chat, please find me. It's the same level of embarrassing content that you just sat through. And you can find me, Thomas Carinante, at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find our bylines at yanksgoyard.com. And you can talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard podcast at Yanks Go Yard FS. Folks, have a good weekend. We'll see Jordan Montgomery on Saturday. It'll be a great time. Um, hope. It's not the worst thing in the world because it's shaping up to be the worst thing in the world. We'll see you. That'll be a 2-2 game in the sixth. I guarantee it. We'll see you, folks. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.